Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For this bonus episode, I wanted to bring to you something that I planned on being a YouTube exclusive, but I decided that it was probably best to share this with as many people as possible, given the nature of the story, which we're going to get to here in a second. But before we get into that, I want to give a brief update to what's going on with the podcast right now as we are still on our mid-season break. Uh, First and foremost... There are lots of investments being made into the YouTube channel right now. So if you are not currently, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel as many more videos will be coming very shortly to YouTube. So please be on the lookout for that as there will be exclusive content coming onto YouTube, especially uh, this upcoming week. I should have several videos coming exclusively to YouTube that will not be on this version of the podcast. So please go subscribe. Uh, Also, if you are a member of my Patreon, there is an update in there as well. So make sure that you are checking that out. If you are not currently a member of Patreon, there is a link in the episode description where you can sign up. So please go check that out as well. What is coming up next on the podcast? I would normally tell you this in the outro of of an episode, but this episode particularly will not have an outro. So I'm just going to tell you right now is I have an episode with Terrence LaFromboise coming up as my very next episode coming out this upcoming Monday. It is a very Missoula, Montana centric episode, but I do encourage everyone to check it out. He is coming on to discuss his brother who was tragically killed after an encounter with the police back in August of this year here in Missoula, Montana. So he is coming on to tell his brother's story, where it's currently at, where the investigation is at. And so I do hope that as many people as possible come to check out this episode. And now finally getting into this episode that you're about to hear, Drew Turner I decided to join me on the podcast for this particular episode. As some of you will know, back in July, the first episode of this season was covering the Boy Scouts of America and the over 80,000 claims of sexual abuse, sexual assaults that were levied against them. After I released that episode, uh, Drew Turner reached out to me on Twitter and informed me that he, in fact, was one of those claimants, one of the 80,000 plus victims of sexual assault. And uh, after corresponding with him for, you know, a couple months, I was finally able to get him on the podcast to specifically talk about what is going on with the lawsuit against the Boy Scouts currently, and his, his experiences dealing with the Boy Scouts and some of the information he thinks it's important for people to take away uh, just as far as what he thinks people should know about the Boy Scouts. So without further ado, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, you're going to hear that episode. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who is who is sticking around with the podcast. And please 
share this episode on social media, share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, please share this. Not enough people know what's happening with the Boy Scouts of America. More people need to know that can happen if you just click a, a share button. So please do that. And I will see you in the next episode. Uh, stay tuned after these sponsors for our conversation with Drew Turner. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana, that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For today's bonus episode, I am joined by Drew Turner. He has come on to talk with us about a story, a follow-up to a story that I did earlier in season four of my podcast, where I spoke about the Boy Scouts of America and the over 80,000 uh, allegations of sexual abuse that's been laid against them and members of their organization. So Drew has come on a little bit here to talk about his experience with that organization and his experience in dealing uh, with his own uh, abuse that he experienced, you know, like while a member of the Boy Scouts. So first, I want to thank Drew for coming on here today. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Good, good. Yeah, I, I know that when I covered this story, you know, a few months back, you had reached out to me and told me that there was a few different parts of the story that you know, I kind of, you know, wasn't able to fit into the story or that I, you know, left out, not intentionally, but just uh, I didn't put together all the all the different nuances into the story that probably should have been there. So I want to touch on a few of those things first and foremost. You know, one of the things that I did not put into the story, but I want you to talk about now is uh, the involvement of like uh, the government and of the church and how it related to uh, the Boy Scouts of America and the cover up that went on. Well, 
you know, Boy Scouts have always used charter organizations. Um, a lot of people are not really completely familiar, but, you know, one of the largest sponsors for the Boy Scouts of America of, of their troops to basically provide space for meetings, um, to provide leadership uh, in, in many of the troops uh, is the Mormon Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, and, and not a single church. These are on, you know, on the large scale, the national church organizations like, like the LDS Church is one of the, or, or up until 2020, we're one of the largest, if not the largest charter organizations for the Boy Scouts of America. And they also provided a lot of troops with their, their leadership. But then in 2020, as uh, my understanding, as things changed with uh, allowing uh, girls, um, LGBTQ into the Boy Scout community, the Mormon church decided they were no longer going to charter on top of which they may have really understood that this, this uh, uh, child abuse, child assault uh, lawsuits were coming down the pipe and they kind of have, have realized, but also another one of the spot or charter organizations. It's a little different though, is the U S government and, and more specifically military bases provide space for a lot of Boy Scout troops, but they're not actual charter organizations directly. They just provide space for the troops to meet. Right. And so one of the things that I came across when I was looking at uh, a documentary called like the church in the fourth estate was that there were several churches that in fact also had heard about these allegations, but they also did not report them to the police uh, after they heard about the allegations, so on and so forth. Uh, were you actually like familiar with those stories as well? Not so much. Um, the, the, you know, my time in the Boy Scouts was 34 years ago. Um, I don't even remember who our, what our troops charter organization was because there were several troops in the area and they were each chartered by different church groups. So I don't even remember who our charter was, but I didn't, until recently, I didn't know that there had been a lot of cover-ups to happen. In fact, I didn't know to the extent of how bad this really was until this, this lawsuit really started. Right. And so that's kind of like what I want to talk to you about more directly now. I know that you are directly involved with the lawsuit that is pending against the Boy Scouts of America. So I want to talk to you about that because sure. when I came across this story, this was the end of June or beginning of the July, that was the, when the first time I had ever heard about this. It mm -hmm. was my, I came to under the, the assumption that the settlement had already been reached because that was the headline that I had read in the Associated <laughs> Press, which was right. Boy Scouts of America reaches settlement to the tune of $850 million with the defendants. So tell me a little bit about that because that was something that you particularly reached out to me about because you were saying that the media was misinterpreting that. So tell us a little bit more about what is going on since you are directly involved. I, I mean, I, I think some of the media had misinterpreted and some didn't make it clear that when they used the phrase settlement, they'd skip the word proposed because that would be a little more accurate in this that it's a proposed settlement. They're now on the fifth version of the plan because this is not a typical um, civil lawsuit, right? This is not your, you know, 
claimants go to court, have their time speaking about what happened, provide whatever evidence, you know, then, you know, plaintiffs, defendants basically represent themselves, judge and jury, you know, in some cases, hear it, decide, and you move on. This is a bankruptcy. So uh, a couple of years ago, there was several hundred uh, in a lawsuit going forward toward the Boy Scouts. And I think they realized that it was much bigger. It was probably going to expand. So instead of continuing on with your regular civil lawsuit, they went into chapter 11 as a reorganization. You know, this has also been similar. Purdue Pharma did something very similar recently um, to kind of knock down their liability. Right. The average, you know, with sexual assault, especially with child sexual abuse, the average settlement in a civil case is between one and $2 million to a plaintiff. So if you looked at that sort of liability and then you add in 82,586, I think plaintiffs right now, you're looking at about a hundred billion dollars would be the liability. But yet, uh, you know, in, during plan four, which was the one that when you started reporting on this, there was 850 million. But the proposed liability would be 100 billion. Right. And again, these are still proposals. It's since changed since the, you know, since your reporting, they're now at, I think 1.8 billion because the, uh, the Latter-day, the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon church has come in and offered 250 million to be released from liability. Uh, Hartford, the insurance company has moved up to 700 and something million. And so right now on the table for all plaintiffs, or as, as were deemed by the court's creditors or claimants, uh, is a, I think it's a little over 1.8 billion with everything. And this doesn't, this doesn't even touch on any other church groups, you know, that had thousands of cases that they may have liability. This doesn't touch on you know, any of the, the Moose Club and the, you know, American Legion and any others that charter. Uh, and so it's still kind of really up in the air about where this is going to go. But at some point soon, they're going to have to get this voted on and they have to actually get a vote and they have to get two thirds of those people involved in the lawsuit to say yes, or they won't re restructure and reorganize and come out of bankruptcy. Right. And that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about was because, you know, not only are they able to kind of skate liability or it seems they're, they're trying to by, you know, going down this path by filing for chapter 11 versus chapter seven, which would dissolve them completely. Now, on top of that fact, I remember you also mentioning that this was kind of a unique situation where because, you know, claimants really can't even really speak to the judge and that some of the letters that were being sent had been redacted. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, so, you know, in a typical civil case, you're going to have your time as a plaintiff, you know, it, to basically explain what happened. Uh, in a bankruptcy, you don't have that. You know, the only people that are speaking in, the, in these hearings are the lawyers. And there's a lot of them, you know, because it's not like 
one group of lawyers for 82,000 claimants, there's probably hundreds of lawyers involved. And then you've got the lawyers for Boy Scouts. And then you've got, you know, and so that's the only people that speak to the judge. And so some months ago, a suggestion was made to the claimants as a whole that we should probably at least, you know, write a letter to the judge, put our claim number on there so she knows, you know, uh, that Judge Silver, who was the judge, knows who these are from. And we basically had to relive our experiences in writing. And at least for me, up until this year, I'd never even told anybody about it happening. Right. And that's actually, that's exactly where I wanted to go with this next. Cause I was, you know, cause speaking about the settlement and the process, I think it's also important that we talk about your particular experience with the Boy Scouts. Now you are one of the over 80,000 plus people who are involved in this lawsuit. Could you, would you be willing to just tell us what was your experience uh, with the Boy Scouts of America? Um, just what exactly happened? <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll, I'll give kind of a, a brief overview. I started as a Cub Scout in elementary school. Um, was with that for a few years. And then my family moved outside the US due to my father's work. And when we came back, I was too old for Cub Scouts. Most of my friends had moved on. Um, and at first I really, I wasn't ready because I didn't have any friends in the troop, you know, at the local troop. And we lived in a small town in Iowa at the time. Um, but eventually I decided, you know, I, I, I think I was probably in seventh grade when I decided I was going to go back into Boy Scouts, but I didn't make the move back into Boy Scouts until eighth grade. Um, I joined kind of late in the school year of eighth grade, 1987. Um, and, and, I wasn't in very long it you know I wound up uh, making it to a few of the troop meetings um, then there was a there was a uh, an, a basically a, a, a camp out well I it wasn't a jamboree because that would be one of the big group meetings with the many Boy Scout troops but there was several Boy Scout troops we were over at a uh, Boy Scout campground um, called Camp Loud Thunder in Illinois, just across the river from where I lived. And uh, uh, the second night we were there, I wound up being assaulted by a troop leader. Wasn't my troop leader. I don't know who he was to this day. I don't know his name. Um, I can still sort of picture his face because I saw him for several days after. Um, but I, I had just gotten out of, you know, where I was sleeping to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and was just an innocent, naive, you know, middle schooler was barely a teenager. And, uh, you know, things happen. It, and and it, it, it was to a point, you know, that, that I can openly say I was raped. Um, I, I was, my life was threatened if I said anything to anyone. And so for 30 something years, I said nothing. I, you know, I didn't want to, the biggest thing is I didn't want to make my parents feel like they played any role in this. I didn't want, I just decided it was easier to bury it and hide it. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, not only 
is that a traumatic thing to deal with? But, you know, I got to imagine that back in those times in the 1980s, it was probably a very, could be a very humiliating thing, especially for a young child to talk about. I mean, did you, did you tell anyone about what happened? You know, I, there's many times that I wanted to, um, when, when it happened, the person that did this to me, you know, threatened me, threatened my life, told me nobody would believe me if I said anything, told me, you know, and this is 1987, told me that if I did say anything, everybody would think I was gay, you know, and said it in a very derogatory way. And then, you know, in the late 80s, and to a young kid in the Midwest, you know, you, you tell somebody, oh, well, people are going to think you're gay. And, and you don't know what to think like that. You don't want it, to. It, it's it's it shouldn't be a humiliating thing to feel. But, you know, after you've been sexually assaulted, you don't even know at that point. You know, again, this is, you know, it, it's very confusing. You know, you're you're at this point, you're still trying to figure out your sexual identity at, at that age. And it becomes very confusing and very upsetting at least for me, because I, I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't know what else to do. And I definitely knew that I couldn't, I couldn't make that, you know, I couldn't allow that to be what people hear about me. I just, so it was just the easiest thing was just to hide it. So when was the first time that you felt comfortable enough telling someone what happened? in the past year or so, and, and it was my wife, you know, it's, it's, it, for a while I'd sat and gone back and forth on if I was gonna be part of this lawsuit. Um, I, I'd, I'd read enough about it when it was first uh, being proposed out publicly uh, that, that I, you know, I had to kind of go, I, it, it was tough because I had to say, okay, well, is this going to be something that I can talk about publicly? What kind of damage is this going to cause to my mental health? Which, you know, I already struggled with mental health issues that, that I was public about long before due to military service and dealing with PTSD. But I'd never really addressed the mental health pains that came with this sexual assault as a kid. And so I, it, it took me, it took me several weeks to, to really say, okay, yeah, I think this is, I think this is going to be my one chance to say something, you know, because that's basically how this lawsuit is proposed is this is our only chance. This is, you know, and so you, you had a lot of people come out of nowhere because we basically had no other chance to ever address this issue. And, and it, at least for me, it was one of those things that, that, uh, I, I just had to, uh, I had to say something. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine being in your particular you know, place, you know, having to, you know, hide something like that for so long. I, I know that that, uh, that can probably be a tremendous weight and not only on you, but on so many other people in the country who have had to carry around this weight whether it's been for decades or if it's even people who have hap had this happen to them even more recently, I was seeing reports when I was doing this episode that this was happening even just a few years ago to some people. 
I think particularly I saw a story reference out of the state of Maryland, which again, if you haven't heard that episode, please go check that out. Uh, but one of the things that I could not get over was the fact that the Boy Scouts seem to largely be skating underneath the radar uh, in comparison to the story that is being leveled against them. I know just in the last decade, we've seen people like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Larry Nassar, and even more recently, even this week with R. Kelly being painted as the predators that they are and essentially being canceled. You know, they are now, I mean, everyone kind of knows what they are and what they've done. And society as a whole has, you know, just deemed them, you know, like what they are. And I feel as though the Boy Scouts are not being painted in that picture. I openly think that this organization should be dissolved completely and that they should never again be able to exist given what they have allowed to happen, uh, especially after they knew about it. And that goes in with the perversion files that again were covered in the episode. But I know that when we spoke about this before, you kind of felt a little bit differently than I did. Uh, so could you just tell me a little bit uh, about how you feel on this subject? My, my concerns is that scouting is always going to exist. You know, Boy Scouts of America aren't the only scouting group in the world. They're one of them. They're probably the largest, but there's many different scouting groups. And my concern is if, if the BSA ceases to exist and all these groups go into another, let's say more religious, more church focused group that doesn't have eyes on them and hasn't gone through any kind of situation like this, that we run the risk that the predators and others get back into the scouting situation and we go through this all over again. Whereas with the BSA existing, and I, you know, and I, and I fully understand and I'm not, I'm not 100% on this because I, I, can, I, I also have feelings that for scouting to exist, you run the risk that kids are going to be assaulted and abused. Um, but I think the risks are lowered when you've got an organization that's put in the spotlight like this. Do I think they're going to be perfect? Do I think there's going to be any perfect situation? It, it's not going to happen. There's just, it, 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 I, think, I think families need to be way more involved in the situation and not just send the kids off. Like you, they really need to know what's happening. And if you can't do that, I would not suggest anybody having their kids in scouting, you know? That's, that's a fair point. I mean, I think that's the goal of this whole thing right now is just extra transparency, extra information, shining a light on this story, which is not getting enough attention right now in our national discourse. You know, the one thing that I want to ask you as we're kind of wrapping up here is what is one takeaway in particular that you would like other people to have in regards to something that you've just something you've learned throughout this entire process? You know, it, it, for any kids that might watch this, um, I, I would definitely say don't hide if something happens. Don't, you're not going to protect your family, your parents, your siblings by covering it up. You're just going to cause more mental health issues for yourself long term. It's much easier to 
make sure somebody knows something happened. The same thing for the parents, you know, of, of kids in any type of youth group, not just scouting, but any type of youth group is be very involved in your kids' lives in this. Because if you're going to send them off to a group where they could be abused, and, and, and I hate to say it, it can happen in most any situation where, you know, there's youth groups, um, you're going to run the risk that there's predators out there. Try to be as involved and make sure your kids are as comfortable as they can be in talking to you. Don't, don't push them away no matter what they need to tell you. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I guess to kind of like wrapping this up a little bit, you had mentioned that there are some organizations out there who very much deal with child abuse. Uh, and you want to take a moment to, to kind of like talk about them. Could you tell us about the organization in mind that you were referring to? Um, I, I think one of the best, it, it, you know, if you, if you want to learn more about, you know, child abuse statistics, how to talk to your kids about it, kids, how to address your parents about it. Uh, there's an organization here in the U.S. called Child USA. Um, I think it's childusa.org, but I, I, I don't remember exactly the the, the uh, web address on that. But Child USA is the organization, and they're probably one of the best at really learning how these things happen and to better understand them, but to also make sure that they have uh, – uh, ways for for parents and kids to address situations like that. Absolutely. And for those who are interested, the link to that organization will be in the description. Uh, Drew, thank you so much for coming on today and, and speaking with us. Uh, do you want to leave a place where people can reach out to you uh, if they want to online, maybe? The, the easiest way to find me is uh, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Drew Turner 73 on Twitter. That's the simplest way to find me. I'm, I'm generally reachable most every day on there. All right. Thank you so much again for coming on today and talking about this subject with us, uh, giving us some extra information about the lawsuit and how it's pending and the information with the Boy Scouts. For those who are interested, I covered this subject on my podcast a few months ago. Um, it was the first episode of season four. In that episode, there are several sources to the information that I reference in the episode that will be in the episode description of that episode. Uh, if you would, please share this episode with people because more people need to know what is going on with the Boy Scouts. So please share this on social media. Uh, leave a comment below. Let us know what you thought about this conversation. And Drew, one last time, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.